And this brings me to uh, the, the, la- the last story in Luke chapter 7. And it's, it's, a, it's, a bit of a, um, it, it's a bit of a long tale, but it, but it has to be done all, all in one piece. I, I was trying to break it up, and I'm like, nope, we're going to just uh, forge forward, forward with it. And it's the most fascinating picture of what it's like to be saved and how when we, are, when we fully grasp, if we could, like in Ephesians, uh, in, in this passage here, if we could fully grasp what Jesus has done for us, we would worship in a way that would be spectacular. Even as, as I was worshiping here this morning, uh, I was thinking that we don't understand the power of our individual and corporate worship. Uh, when we fully give ourselves to the Lord in, in worship, it breaks all kinds of stuff in us and around us. Breaks in, in, the, in the way that we get, we get stuck in so many ways. And one of, the, one of the things that happens to us as Christians is over time, we don't realize that the enemy starts to pull your hands back from being fully free in worship. And this story in Luke 7 is a person that could really care less what you think about them because she's at the feet of Jesus. And I think in American Christianity, we, there's a, either a certain posture that we feel like we have to take, but I would love us to get as free as this woman in this story. So, are you guys ready? This is so, this is so beautiful. I, I mean, I, I, I pray in the name of Jesus I can do some justice to this story because if you could just capture the heart as, as we read it and as I'm like, this is so, so, so amazing. So let me give you a little background. This is what it says. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So the Pharisees at this point of the Gospel of Luke were not in favor of Jesus. This invitation to come and dine was not an invitation of, let's sup together because we want to fellowship with you. What was happening in chapter 6, it says that they were seeking to find a way to destroy him because they thought that he was a blasphemer because he said, I forgive you. And they're saying, God, only God can forgive. And so this, this Pharisee uh, says, let's invite Jesus to dinner and see if he messes up. That's what's in their mind. So when you, when you look in here, you go, well, that's nice. That nice Pharisee was in, inviting this guy to dinner. Uh, you know, now, again, the Pharisees are, are the, the, the Jewish religious people. And, they, and like, if you don't do it our way, you're out. And Jesus was, came into their context, and they're like, we don't like this guy because he's not doing it our way. And so he invites him in the house, and Jesus reclines at the table. And, and in that time, they, they, would, they, would sit, they would sit down at the table, kind of like this, hang out, put their 
feet to the side. They'd have some, some kind of uh, cushions or something, and they would recline around the table. And what was interesting is during this time, it, it would be like having a guest preacher. Now, if you had a dignitary come over to your house, you'd probably lock all the doors, right, to keep people out. But in that day, when you had somebody that was special, or at least you wanted to appear as special, they would actually leave the doors open so that other people could come and hang out in your living room and also listen and see what's happening and taking place. Because I was always wondering, how did this lady get in here? You know, I mean, if it was, if it was my Bible study, I would have made sure the door was closed. Uh, but in, in that time, the, the Pharisees would say, we're going to have dinner with Jesus, and you're welcome to hang out in the living room and see also how bad he is. So that's the context. So it's, it's not a good environment. I, when, I, when I read this a lot of times, it's like, oh, what a nice Pharisee, and Jesus is hanging out. And, and, and then, of course, you know, I'm sure Jesus was like really tense. He's like, oh, man, I, want, I, ho- I hope I appear really good in front of these Pharisees because I, I, don't, I want to make a good impression. Not. Um, and, and, and instead, <laughs> and, and he's thinking, oh, man, the worst thing that would happen is if a sinner came in and interacted with me. And that's certainly what happened. It says, behold, a woman of the city. This was a prostitute. This was a lady of the night. This was a person who was a sinner, sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, just to, to remind you, at another time, Jesus was anointed. That was much later in his ministry. This is not the same thing. This was a prostitute who knew all about perfumes, right? And she's like, I want the, the, the presence of my worship to linger in that room. And so she was coming to him to do this. Okay. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her hair, with her tears, and wiped them with her hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. You got to picture it. Here's this lady. She comes in. Everybody knows she's a sinner except Jesus because he doesn't, you know, <laughs> he's like, this is weird. Uh, some lady. And, and, and the, it's interesting that the, the word there, weeping, is the same word that they use in other places for rain. She was crying so hard that she was drenching his feet. It wasn't just like, oh, little tear here. She was actually so impassioned by Jesus that she could not, she couldn't help herself. It's like, Jesus. And you're gonna, you're gonna see something in a minute that's super fascinating. And then she didn't have a towel or anything, and she's like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to use my hair, which she didn't have any problem. Now, most of you, let me just stop for a minute. Most of you in worship on a Sunday morning are pretty dignified. <laughs> the last thing you do is let your hair down. If you have any, and and you're like, I wonder if people, you know, wonder what they might think of me if I raise my hands or if I, you know, started to clap with the with the song. Not this group, but you know, maybe our friends watching online. But the the reason I say that is I I want us to always be free 
and not allow anything to get in the way. So she starts washing her, his feet with her hair, and he start, she starts to kiss his feet. She gets down and says, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And she gets a hold of him. She's in full worship of Jesus. She does not care what's happening in the room. Now, when the Pharisee who, was, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would certainly know who this was and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. I just love this. The, 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 Luke is so good at writing this. So here's this guy. If he was a prophet, he would know what's going on. And Jesus answering him. Now, he didn't say it. But he's a prophet. And he knew what was in the mind of him. (laughs) And this guy is thinking, this woman's a sinner. Jesus should know this. And Jesus is going, you're a judgmental person, (laughs) and you should know this. (laughs) He was not concerned about her. He was concerned about the Pharisee and says to him, and Jesus answering to him, which he didn't say anything, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, oh, say it, teacher. Go ahead. Let's see what this is about. And he tells this story. He says, a certain moneylender who had two, uh, had two debtors. So this, these guys had bought some, bought some stuff on credit. One owed 500 denarii. Now, a denarii is like a day's wage. So 500 would be like two, two and a half years worth of cash. And the other guy, 50. So maybe a month and a half, two months worth of borrowing. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? What do you think? If you guys had the, big, the bigger bill, wouldn't it be nice? You're, you know, you're like, man, I can't make my car payment this month. And you call and you're like, hey, I can't make my car payment. And the guy says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about this month. I'm just going to pay the whole thing off. And you're like, "Woo, I love you. <laughs> I'm going to start shopping for a new car. <laughs> but the other guy's only got one payment left. And the guy says, don't worry about it. We'll take care of that. And he pays it off. So Simon answered, well, the one I suppose who he canceled the larger debt. Now, the Pharisee didn't, he, he started anticipating, maybe I'm caught in a trap. So I don't want I don't want to mess myself up by saying saying the wrong thing. So I go, I suppose it's the one with the bigger one. And he goes, You suppose right. I'm not trying to trap you. I'm wanting you to get an understanding of something. Okay. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said to si- he said to Simon, yeah, he wasn't talking to her. He turns towards her. And he says, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, which was the common greeting at the time. You did not yet, but from the time I came to the house, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, 
her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Isn't that a great story? All right. So a quick breakdown. Now, I explained some of the, some of the things in there. But I, I, I put down, because I was so captured by this, I just kept thinking about the heart of worship. Jesus is, you know, the reason Luke put this in here is he wanted to disciple us to see what it's like when you truly grasp the grace of God. When you really know that you have been forgiven, everything changes. Your worship life starts to get really enhanced, right? And uh, I, I just put down here on my notes, she understood the beauty of mercy. She realized, and I'm going to tell you something here that's interesting. The way that, that Luke words this, when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, it's in the perfect tense in, in Greek, and I don't want to baffle you with Greek stuff, but what it means is he had declared this at a previous time, and it continues on from that time that was previous. Okay, So he had declared her forgiven before she got in the room. He knew this woman. He had met her somewhere in the street and, and said, and she had come to him and said, will you forgive me? And he said, your sins are forgiven. And so she was coming back around. She hears Jesus is at this house and comes in and says, I want to sh- thank you for your mercy. That, ma- that, that makes more sense. And it'll make more sense as, as we look at it because he says it twice. Uh, that your sins are forgiven from the past all the way through now. So what, this was not his first encounter. Everybody get that? Okay, I want you to get it because, it, it, because if you think it's the first, you're like, well, how is he doing it right now? He's not. He's saying, I forgave your sins. And maybe I'll just stop for a second and talk about that. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Jesus forgave your sins in the past. She was a prostitute. She was a, a woman of the night. She was like total sinner. Her, her life had gone off the rails. And Jesus said, I forgive you. But the way he says it is, and I will keep forgiving you for the rest of your life. And you will be seated with me in the heavenlies. And God will point and say, see my mercy? All right. Isn't that beautiful? Anyway. So, I put down here just the, the rain of gratitude. When was the last time you were so captured in your worship that you cried? Has it been a little while? It's been a little while, you know? And that's usually a, a sign. One, either we've, we've just gotten like, I know Jesus. I love Jesus. He loves me. But we've lost the passion. And this gal had definitely not lost her passion. And, you know, like with all things that I'm, I'm asking, you know, when I'm 
sharing my repentances, uh, I asked the Lord, Lord, I, I'm not passionate in the way I'm reading this, and I would like to be. And then I just ask him, Lord, touch my heart again, right? Uh, that's, that's what, I mean, in Revelation it says, go ahead, turn back to your first love. And so you can ask that again. All right. And, I, and the other thing I, I just love was this, the perfume. She goes, I, I want this thing to last. I want it to last with him. I want him to know I was here, and I want to take this with me. And I want everybody in the room to know that I was worshiping Jesus today. I was kissing his feet. And then what was really cool here is that she was completely accepted by Jesus. You know, we get afraid of God. Too, too often people are like, I don't know how, how, how God feels about me. Well, according to the scriptures we read this morning, according to this, he feels great about you. He loves you just as you are. He wants all of you. And we should always be before his presence free and saying, Lord, give me, I'm giving you a hug. And then him turning back and going, that's nothing. I hugged you first. No, okay. And then what's, what's cool in this whole concept, and, and it goes along with this worship piece, is the woman never said a thing. She was just with Jesus. All the other talking was around her, and she's like, I am totally content to just grab hold of his feet and kiss him. When I was reading that, she was grabbing a hold of his feet. I always think of John the Baptist when he met Jesus. And he says, there's the Lamb of God. I am not worthy to even untie his shoelaces, <laughs> his sandals. And she got the same thing. It's like, oh, there's Jesus' feet. Ah, if I could even honor him in this, it'd be awesome. All right. The second thing that kind of stands out to me here in the story has to do with... Um, misjudging people. The, Jesus was misjudged by the Pharisees and the other people. They, they didn't understand uh, you know, who he was, and so they're like, well, this guy, he's not even a prophet. He doesn't even know what's going on. And they misjudged until he spoke to them. They certainly misjudged this woman because she was already forgiven. And I just think of how often we misjudge people. We don't really know what's in their heart. We, you know, we can look at someone and go, I know all about you. And you don't know anything because you're not a prophet either. <laughs> right? And instead, uh, I, I just think it's awesome to have a practice of wanting to know people wherever they are. Uh, Jenny and I, we, we rode in a few lifts over the last month. We've got a few rides from lift people. And we always engage lift people. Because usually they're from, you know, they're, you know, they're from other countries and stuff. It's like, we just want to know you. We're not trying to even witness to you. We're not trying to do a 15-minute witness. We just want to know you because you're worth knowing. You know, people are worth knowing. That, that was a, a revelation I, I had in Guatemala because, uh, we interact with a lot of people that we're like ministering to, 
But then we have our bus drivers and, and, and the people in the hotel, and, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're on a mission here. You know, you, you guys, thanks for serving us. It's like, you know, they're, people, they're, they're part of the mission, too. They're, go meet them. You know, go hang out with them. Go thank them. And, you know, we just miss the beauty in people. And Jesus was really good at not missing. He saw them coming, and he's like, I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch your life. All right. So Jesus kind of comes down on this guy pretty hard and said, you know, you didn't honor me. He's like, when I walked in the room, you didn't even treat me as a guest. And you certainly didn't honor me. And you certainly didn't bow and see who I was. And can you imagine if Jesus walked in the room today and you just saw him as just some visitor? It's like, ooh, there's a visitor. I don't like visitors. <laughs> now, if we love visitors, right? As long as we don't have to interact with them. Because, uh, you know, church, uh, yeah, churches tend to attract you know, introverts more than extroverts. You know, and, they, and, and there's nothing worse than an extrovert visitor. Because then they come in. Uh, and I do this when I visit other churches. I, I, I just pretend I own the place. And I just start shaking people's hand. How long you been here? Like twenty years. I think, yeah, good to know you, man. This is my first time. You know, like ah. But most people aren't like that. They sneak in the back and they're like, oh, nobody really talks to me. And but what if it was Jesus? And you're like, Jesus came to this guy's house and he totally missed it. <laughs> and Jesus. You will never love Jesus. This is something I've learned also. You'll never love Jesus more than you love people. It's just true. You know, he, in fact, it says somewhere in the Bible, how can you say you love God when you don't love your brother? How can you say you can love the invisible when the flesh and blood that's standing before you is not loved deeply? So this guy, he missed it. But Jesus was redeeming him. And he said to him, I just want to get your attention. And I don't know who this guy Simon was. Uh, this, this is not a Simon we know. There's a lot of Simons in the New Testament. I don't know if you know that. There's like Simons everywhere. It was, it's like Joe you know, John, or John or whatever. It's, 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 they're just everywhere. So he's not somebody you know when you read Simon. It, it's not. But he knew him because Jesus likes to know people. All right. Then the third thing that, that stands out to me is this, this talk he gives about the 500 and the 50. And the thing that occurred to me that I don't know why I never, never got it till this week when I'm studying this, was that when Jesus, forget, when he's talking about forgiveness, there's always a cost to it. Somehow or another, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I can't say I, I didn't get it, but I didn't get it like I got it when I was reading Jesus' parable here. Was somebody paid the price for our sins? Now, we know Jesus paid the price, but we think it's just like, Jesus forgives my sins, and then they go off into the ether. <laughs> Jesus forgives our sins, and then he takes them. <laughs> Right, so so uh, like this this tax, this uh, money lender, when he said 
your debt is forgiven, he had to pay that. <laughs> and and I, I think it's, it's just beautiful because I think that sometimes we don't get the costly side of what Jesus has done for us. But this lady did. This lady really did. So I just put down here, who paid for the peace? Because later on he says this. He says, and he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those at the table said, what? Who is this that even forgives sins? And he says to the woman, your faith has saved you. You notice it wasn't her love. It wasn't her worship. It was her faith in, in his word that said, you are forgiven. And he said, and the last thing he says to us, go in peace. So, who pays for the peace of our life? Jesus does. <laughs> you know, when we were dead in our trespasses, Christ died for us because of his desire to know us. And this whole story, and, and I love that it kind of encapsulates this whole chapter, is about you. Because you're the woman who's been forgiven. Jesus came and said, I forgive you. And I don't know if you carry any guilt. I think even Christian, you know, those that have been following Christ for a long time, we still have in our mind that somehow we're not forgiven somewhere. And Jesus said, I forgive you. And so I, I don't know, were we doing, uh, are, are we doing communion today? Yeah. We are. Beautiful. So I wanted to, to emphasize this last point as we uh, pass out the element. Hello. Hello, cook. Uh, oh, oh, okay. So I got to keep talking. Well, that's, not, that's not hard. <laughs> let me tell you some stories. Actually, let me talk with you a bit. Uh, what, what comes to your guys' mind when, when I'm talking about this this morning? Anybody? Maria. How grateful we are for what God has done for us. Because we don't deserve His grace, but He just freely gives it to us. And I personally have so much to be thankful for. Mm. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Oh, yes. mind yeah the, the, the one thing that uh, popped into my head was the fact that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and when he took our place on the cross he paid for our sins yesterday today and forever so if you are in your walk and you stumble and fall that's not a surprise to him because he knew it was going to happen. It's just for us to realize that it was a sin and confess it and get it under the blood and get back up on the horse and keep going. And that's 
the mercy and the peace of God in your walk where there's nothing you can do to get out of the hand of God. Mm. He has you and he's not going to let you go. And there's a confidence and a peace in that. So that's, no, that's, no, that's, that's perfect. Because I, I did want to emphasize that as well today, that this whole perfect tense. And I wrote down in my, my notes here, have we met before? <laughs> when we come to Jesus, it's like, it, it, you know, Jesus is like, have we met before? Uh, meaning, remember when I saved you? <laughs> I want you to remember this. I want you to remember the day that you knew that Jesus was saving your life. And then when you come to him again and wonder, oh no, what's going on with my life? That you can easily say, ah, I remember. I remember. Isn't that great? All right, who else? Morning, guys. All right. Oh, hold on. You got it. We, we're going to, we'll get you seconds. Um. The the part where he says, you know, forgiven much and forgiven little, I oftentimes kind of want to, like you said, we we should see ourselves like the woman, um, and oftentimes I, I I I guess I commit the mistake of saying, well, I haven't I haven't sinned like her or I haven't sinned like him, um, you know, so I'm not that bad. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know. When we see ourselves like the woman, our worship just becomes more genuine instead of, well, you know, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I've been forgiven. My sins aren't that big. Um, and so we should always have that kind of mindset of saying, Lord, you, you've forgiven it all. And, you know, even that all of what, you know, that I've done is a lot. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Amen. No, I, I think the same, the, the same thing. Uh, when, when somebody comes to Christ out, out of a life of sin, it, it tends to be that much more dynamic, right? Those are the, like the crazy Christians. Like, ah, I got saved. And, and then, but, you know, you get others that are like generational Christians. It's like, yeah, my grandparents were Christians. My parents were Christians. I'm a Christian. And we're like, ah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I'm going to heaven. Uh, so the, there, there is something about it, and it's important for those that haven't had that generational. We have to get them in there because they are the ones, the crazy Christians, the ones that are like, whoa, look at what God has done to my life. Oh, if you guys would only know. Kind of the Tom and the Toms of the world. Hi, Tom. Uh, <clears throat> who, who, who always... Like, I remember when I was saved, <laughs> and I was really a sinner, <laughs> you know? And, and Jesus loves for, to save people out of the world, to remind those that were less, you know, more fortunate to have a heritage of Christianity. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, more, more uh, blessed to have a heritage of Christianity. Um, and, but still, those people, they can learn something from the others. Amen? 
Amen. All right. So as I was reading this, um, and we we sang, the, I, I don't know if, if uh, Brooke was reading my notes, uh, the second song we sang, you know, our, our devotion, you know, at, at the feet of Jesus. And, and I, I thought it would be great for us to recline for a moment at the table with Jesus and remember, if you know the Lord today, to remember that day that you knew that Jesus had spoken to you and said you are forgiven, past, present, and future. And that you no longer, now you, don't, you no longer have to struggle with that part of your life. Now you can, as Jesus said to this person, go in peace. And I love that. He's like, no, from, from now on, my peace will be with you. And, and I, I think that this, the spirit I, I felt like would be good for us to break today is this anxiety that we have sometimes of coming to God. Does anybody have that? You're like, I haven't been with the Lord in a while, or I've, I've sinned recently, or I'm, I'm unconfessed somehow, and I have a hard time coming to God. Nobody? Good. Uh, all right. Well, if that's you, or if that happens from time to time, I, I want you to hear Jesus saying, have we met before? And to declare once again, your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Go in peace. So as we take this bread, this is representative. Jesus said he was sitting at the table with his disciples reclining. And he said to them, this is my body. I am giving my life for you so that you'll be forgiven. And we know the biggest issues of our lives are those areas where uh, we forget that Jesus has set us free by forgiving us all of our sins. And so, Lord, we come to your feet today and we thank you that you have done it all as we read in Ephesians 2. For it is by grace you have been saved by faith. Nothing of ourselves. It's a free gift of God. And as we take this bread today, I pray that you would give us that peace that as we go from here, we wouldn't have any anxiety between us because you've already declared what is true in our lives. You have forgiven us. So let's go ahead and we'll take this bread this morning. And then this last part, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. She loves much. I want us to, as we take this, this cup, to be washed over, so to speak, or washed through the mercy of God. This is something that the Pharisee didn't get. He didn't get the mercy of God. God loves to lavish His grace upon us. And at every point in your life where you're feeling less than graced, as we take this cup, because Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, in my life's blood, 
representing that as we take it this morning, He wants to pour in us this grace. So Lord, we thank You for this cup. We thank You for the grace that You bestow upon us. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup this morning. Thank You, Lord. So Father, thank You that you have given us this new life. Thank you for this wonderful narrative that reminds us that we should worship you with our whole heart and that we should be free to worship you because our sins are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Isn't that beautiful, that story? I just love it. All right. Well, maybe I'll love it more. Well, to those that are joining us online, our VLC family online, God bless you. I pray that you have a great week. Know that you are forgiven. Know that Jesus will meet you at every point uh, going forward. And in this week, wherever you're struggling, uh, just ask for his grace and it'll be there. So have a great day and uh, we'll see you guys soon.